maestro bin azarta. Tantir mando mansizon hazan sobar. Samanda robza, dar his haiker dans de roza, ganda. Shut it off. Ganda. Shut it off. Ganda. Chris Galzer here with Matt Howell on this episode of The First to Run. I feel like that's what people, you know, listening, tertiary listening, like the partners, lovers, parents, kids, whatever, when they start to show up and they're just going to hear that in the background, someone screaming, you have to turn it off. Turn it <laughs> off. So uh, that's okay, though. I'm, uh, I'm all right. Matt, this week on The First Run, we're going to head out to the cabin one more. Wait, no, we're not, Matt. It's off to the soon-to-be-condemned building to see what the Kandarian demons have been up to the last few years as a Book of the Dead surfaces in rainy L.A. and hijinks ensue in Evil Dead Rise. Does the Camp Miss franchise finally miss? Then it's on to the Apple Plus original Ghosted, featuring Hollywood eat people? I guess, Anna Diarmas and Chris Evans. It's a rom-com spy thriller, Matt. But for me, it's the flip side to your hate of horror comedies, spy action com- romantic comedies, night and day. Can't stand them. Mm. So I'll have to see if this is any better. There is the never-ending but always entertaining rundown of the big releases on physical media featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to close out the big show by sharing our five favorite Sam Raimi scenes that I hope to star in all just clips of Ash and Army of Darkness. So I guess it wouldn't be that bad if they were. So let's go ahead and start everything off with a clip from Evil Dead Rise. What's up, sis? I had the most beautiful dream. We were together sitting in a tall forest. The wind was clean and the birds were singing the sweetest melody. Melodies. It was a perfect day, and all I could think about was how much I wanted to cut you all open and climb inside your body so that we could stay one happy family. <laughs> now, Matt, I'm not a parent. I, but that does. It sounds a little off to me. What about you? I mean, you know, after they kind of grew out of her toddler years, I stopped saying stuff like that. I mean, when your kids are as old as as hers, you know, you obviously you got to kind of wrap up some of the the kind of smothering stuff that you do as a parent. Fair enough. Okay. So, Matt, Evil Dead, the franchise returns, this time written and directed by Lee Cronin, who did, um, was it the, not Hole in the Wall, but The Hole in the Ground, Mm, which a film you watched, I think, as part of the Sundance festival that we yes. did a few years ago i did not yes. mm-hmm. i don't remember i think you were i thought it was you thought it had some great moments but overall you were a little disappointed by it is that accurate that is an accurate statement yes so cronin comes along to then bring back the evil dead franchise to the cinema it had ran for quite a few years on television as ash versus the evil dead where we continue actually bruce campbell's story there 
But now we're back, uh, as we said, in the movies. And I don't know, man. It's it's interesting, this, this franchise, how we go these long droughts without seeing a new film. This is the first movie since 2013's uh, sort of kind of reboot, mm-hmm. right, by uh, Fidi Alvarez. But uh, before we get into it, Matt, what is Evil Dead Rise all about? Um, so a family is living in an apartment building. The father has left. They are packing up to move out. The kind of ne'er-do-well, bit of a flake sister shows up. And there's an earthquake exposing a vault underneath the condemned building that they're having to vacate. And of course, wouldn't you know it, one of the damn teenagers goes down there and finds a Necronomicon. And of course, he just can't stop himself from messing with it. These damn kids these days. I know. Still, I appreciate him supporting physical media in some capacity. <laughs> right? He was very into vinyl, that's for sure. That's, that too. So, man, as I said, I think, I don't know if I'm going out on a limb here, if I'm getting ahead of my skis, but I wonder, I think that, is Evil Dead kind of the most consistent franchise when it comes to quality of work? Mm. And I think, I don't know if part of it is the lack of sequels, how mm-hmm. they don't throw something out every year to two years. I don't know. What do you think? I've, I've, I walked out of this thinking, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is really a strong film in, mm-hmm. a, in, in a strong franchise. Yeah, so I think uh, I'm going to walk it back a little bit from whether it's the strongest horror franchise. And I, I and I apologize, folks, if I'm speaking slower because I have to edit this week and Chris is constantly on my case about removing ums. And I'm really going to try and stop <laughs> you know what helps? Half not doing that. You do silence over the um mm. and then you trim a little bit so it doesn't sound so. That's the trick. I see. Anyway, so we're going to be very deliberate in my pace here. It really depends on, for at least the Raimi films, so Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness, what your tolerance for camp is. Mm -hmm. Those are not high-budget films. And as much as I love Bruce Campbell, he's not exactly the greatest actor that we have as far as even in horror franchises. I mean, it's not Lawrence Olivier. He is a, he knows what he is. He plays to his strengths and I love him for it. But saying that the Evil Dead franchise as a whole is the strongest franchise, it really depends on those first three films on what your tolerance is for that type of film. And I don't know if it's really everybody's cup of tea. And I think people who really love Evil Dead get blinded to that fact because they love it so much that they just expect everybody does. And I am one of those people, so that may be a fair statement on Matt's part. <laughs> Evil Dead being one of the first horror films that really I watched as a kid, and probably the film that I've bought the most on physical media. I think I had VHS twice, DVD twice, Blu-ray, um, I think once, and now I have the 4K. So, yeah, it's, yeah, that's possibly fair. So, I will say this, though, Matt. I think this is the worst film in the series. Oh, I will say my least favorite. How about that? I think that's much more fair statement. I would say, for me, my least favorite is the original Evil Dead because it's ta- it's played a lot more straight. 
Mm. Whereas they almost kind of remake it for Evil Dead 2 and just really lean into the campy ridiculousness of it. And I think it works a lot better. So I think the original Evil Dead is probably my least favorite. I hate that. No, the first one is, it's such a classic. And I remember watching (laughs) as a kid, scared the pants off of me. It was just really disturbing because I think I'm... I'm probably like 12 when I watch it, maybe mm. 13, if that. And it was one of those things that got the VHS and it's one of it's just really intense experience. And, uh, no, so I will always have a soft spot, soft spot in my heart for this film. Absolutely. The, the original, I should say. And I did rewatch the uh, director's cut of, uh, Alvarez's evil mm-hmm. dead too, before I popped into this. And I was glad I revisited that one still holds up. I think really well too. I think I was, I think I was cautiously po- positive about it when we when we uh, discussed it for the show back in the day, and thinking like if the other films had never existed, I would have thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm able to separate that now and really take the film on its own merits and just how mean and lean that film is, mm-hmm. and how successful it is. This one, I think, not being a straight up sequel to 2013's Evil Dead is kind of in a way a weird way kind of a spiritual sequel just like part two is because it brings back some of the comedic elements and some stuff literally the eyeball swallow returns right we got a shotgun and a chainsaw uh though um i guess for both films our antagonist is locked out not locked in a fruit cellar perhaps but Mm -hmm. locked out right and has to find a way in uh there's a lot of little things like there's an image supposedly though i missed this of the three stooges on tv or something oh. at some point which okay. I, I missed i must have been hiding behind my hands i don't know but i don't know i just i was really happy well why with how well this works so i think it's the as i said the the weakest of the franchise it's still very good very effective and i think a lot of the key to it is the shifting from the cabin in the woods to this condemned high rise and focusing on a family, a mother, uh, her sister, and then children, mm-hmm. instead of having be a bunch of teens or 20-year-olds or whatever the case may be. I think that change in setting really helps to amplify the stakes. And I'll say, too, man, I'm curious what you think about this. I was concerned after about 20 minutes, almost a half an hour, where are these kids going to dodge this? And we're just going to deal with the neighbors down the hall instead? Are they going to be immune to this? Because it seemed to be how Cronin was kind of, I think, dodging and weaving on us a little bit on that. And thankfully, there's a moment when the film turns and then it's just all out from that point on, which I appreciated. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think this has a lot more in common tonally with Fidi Alvarez's 2013 requel, we shall say, or remake. And... I appreciated it for that. I really kind of like the much more straight up visceral, creepy, mean mm-hmm. horror aspect of it. I mean, there are some parts that are really disturbing in this. Lots of children in peril. Many of them don't escape, which I thought was very interesting or something you don't see very often. And I completely agree with you. I think taking this out of the woods and putting it into the middle of a city is a great decision. I almost want to see what happens when the demons and the deadites are loose in a populated space to see what that happens. And I'm a little nervous as to what that could mean as far as how that would all play out. But it's an interesting question to ask. Ultimately, 
I really enjoyed this. I really appreciated all of its kind of vibe and, and its visuals and it's kind of paying slight nods to the original trilogy, but not being as campy either, just like Fidi Alvarez's, where it's played much more for straight up meanness, horror, disgust kind of thing. And I, yeah. I think that works really well. Yeah, I mean, if you also, too, like Lumberto Bava's Demons films, both of them, those kind of have a similar feel of, uh, particularly the second one, which does take place mostly, if I remember correctly, in an apartment building, at least a big chunk of it, of people getting possessed. So, uh, but yeah, it's really, it's an effective film. I I think the gore in it is over the top, but fantastic. And uh, the amount of blood used in this film is, it's got to be close to the record. I, I mean, they do a nice little shining moment too, not just with the elevator, but I want to say too, there are parts of the score that were reminiscent of the classical pieces that Kubrick used for the shining that I found um, engaging and really help amp up the tension. And part of me wonders too, Matt, is the key to this is sitting on this for 10 years, like at a time. Being able to turn these films out so that way we're not having an issue with like Halloween 4, 5, 6 where you right. have these kind of substandard films that kind of come out because you're there to make a buck. They actually seem to be waiting maybe to have an interesting story to then run with it. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for, you know, I know Raimi was involved in this. I think it's I think it really works to its benefit where they give it a long time to gestate they probably do a little rewrites you know they take things in they add things i 10 years maybe a little bit long yeah. a bit of time um but i could see every five six seven years i think we could be due for a new one and i think that would work i think that's probably the sweet spot for releasing these things mm -hmm. and what do you about think about it shifting not just from uh, a cabin to a apartment building where they're even more confined right mm -hmm. And they still have the nice uh, homages, the nods to like, you know, in the original film where the, the bridge gives out here, mm -hmm. the stairwell gives out type of a thing. Right. But focusing on a family unit instead, mm -hmm. I think um, you have having a uh, a child, you know, I, I wonder how, how did that impact you, if at all, kind of seeing the fact, man, and did it have any more resonance because yeah. it was a family than it was a bunch of drunk, dumb, high kids? Yeah, I think it's it probably is a little bit more horrifying i mean that kind of depth of betrayal where you know your parent or your siblings who are supposed to always be on your side and protect you and all that kind of stuff are suddenly looking to brutally murder you and they're completely unstoppable kind of thing is is a much scarier perspective than like your girlfriend's friend who you met one time and now you're sharing a cabin i mean do you have a lot of qualms with uh, chopping her head off? Maybe a little, but not the same way as you would your mom, you know? So I think it is uh, really amps up the stakes. Yeah, I think too. If my mom were to say she wanted to swallow my soul, I think I'd be uh, <laughs> a little more concerned about that. And there's one thing I'm curious for your take on this, because I've been going back and forth on this. When I walked out of the theater, came home thinking, oh, this is really good. I really enjoyed this. This was a lot mm -hmm. of fun. Mm -hmm. Saw it in the Dolby, great picture, surround sound was good, well done, all that stuff. And I will say too, again, folks, if you can, watch your horror films with headphones on to get that kind of full effect. Uh, but so then today, I wake up this morning, then I'm thinking, did you get this at all? This seems to be an almost potentially fanatical pro-life interpretation of this film. 
that this woman is willing to kill her family to protect her fetus to destroy the woke mind virus type thing. But I think I'm going back because she she shows up. Yeah. Right. Not sure what to do. Right. And then the demons possess her sister and she's looking for guidance from her. The demon realizes she's pregnant and she's all excited to be able to eat two souls basically. And, and facing all the travails, our lead, our star decides to, well, I'm, she's going to be a mom. She's going to keep the kid. Okay. And you have all of these evil forces around her trying to take her and her child's life. And I don't know. I just wondered, like, is Cronin some, like, whack job kind of ultra-conservative person in, in anti-abortion? Because you could also say the other, the other side of it is, well, she chooses to keep right. the kid and right. fight to survive. Right? right? So I don't know. But I really feel like there could be some super nut job conservative horror fans that could see this as, like, a super pro- anti-abortion film well i guess i guess so a couple things one and i shouldn't say pro-life i should say anti-choice is what i should say really. right well for one thing aunt what's her name aunt beth is that her name yeah i'm blanking for some reason yep she hasn't chosen right so she doesn't know what she's going to do at the beginning mm-hmm. of the film so i think it's completely fine that she makes the choice when faced with the fact that you know what? My demon sister's probably going to rip my uterus out. That may be a problem. I understand <laughs> that you may not want that to happen. Two, I don't live in Jesus land, so I didn't I didn't see that because I'm not like faced with it every day. But yes, I guarantee you that there are people that are going to make that message because they've already done it with the Last of Us show. How it's right. a, it's it's for statement on pro life, and they're also so stupid that. They say things like, I hate that Rage Against the Machine is political now. Like, like that just, they just don't have any self-awareness that they're the bad guys. So I guess, yeah, I, I can see it totally happening, but I didn't go there when I was watching. Are we watching. the baddies? Yeah, I think part of it too is I'm living it right now, being in Florida. Mm-hmm. with the, They just passed that six-week six law, which is just preposterous. But yeah, so I think maybe I'm just impacted by that. So who knows? I just I just got to stop paying attention to the news and politics and just keep watching horror films, I guess. And horror films, remember, too, folks, a lot of times, for the most part, they are really commenting on the current state of society. That's why 80s horror is as good as it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. Any other fun things or interesting things about uh, Evil Dead Rise? Like I like the introduction of there being more than one book of the dead. Mm, yeah, and we kind of cool. get that in the Army of Darkness because there were the three books that Ash had to choose the right one type of a thing. Right. But still, any other uh, little homages or little things you enjoyed about Evil Dead Rise? Yeah, I like the new look of the Necronomicon. I thought that was really mm-hmm. cool. I like the flashback to Dead by Dawn. I thought that was a very yep. creepy callback, which I really liked. And I think the Deadites, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the whole kind of creepy smiling thing. But they pull it off pretty well in this. And I was creeped out by... So, uh, yeah, I was really impressed with um, Alyssa Sutherland's performance. I thought she pulled off the whole creepy, smile, crazy eye thing really well. And I thought it was very effective. So, overall, I thought, thumbs up, Mr. Cronin. Really good job. I'm going to give it... I think I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm going to say I'm going to give it an A-. minus. Ooh. Look at you. I was going back and forth. I'm sitting right now at B+. Mm. But I could be talked into an A minus, I think. Um, hmm. Interesting. 
I don't think it's perfect. It does. It is a little flawed, but I had a hell of a lot of fun watching it and I'm going to buy it. It's like one of those immediate buy kind of things and I'm not going to yeah. regret it. So I think that's a minus territory for me. I like that. I think that's strong. That's good. I was going in my head too, because I was in my, afterwards I'm ranking the franchise, right? And I'm curious to kind of see what you would, how, what you would come up with. But I think I'm actually, my ranking of my, you know, how much I enjoy them, which one's my favorite. It's actually runs in chronological order. Mm. it's evil dead evil dead 2 army of darkness um and then al versus evil dead and then this one yeah. and i would probably go a evil dead a evil dead 2 army of darkness i'd probably go a minus and then no or a probably as well and evil dead i'd probably give an a minus at this point so then i think this is a little below that so i'd go b plus yeah yeah I so yeah i like army of darkness but it's it's so far off from a horror movie. It's yeah. more of like an action movie. It just doesn't really fit in the whole rest of the films, even though I do really enjoy it. All right. So what would your ranking be then? Evil Dead 2? Yeah, Evil Dead 2 is one? my favorite. And then I would say Army of Darkness. Like I said, I had fun with it, but really struggled to call it a horror movie. Then I would, I, would, I think the only thing I would change is I would probably, I would put Evil Dead 1 last. And that would still be like a P plus B film for me. Okay. Fair enough. If you had a chance to see Evil Dead Arise currently playing in theaters, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Matt, coming up on Physical Media this upcoming Tuesday, May 2nd, a film we did not do for the show, nor do I think we will. What's going on? If you're acting very strange, Lou. Just keep your eyes shut. Lou, I've got to get home before dinner. It's craps night. You got your own house, Mora. Why are you still living in a retirement center? Frank left it very much. Okay, look. Ooh, I love presents. I love presents. Woo! Oh my gosh, what is happening? I wanted it to be a surprise, but all they had were gender reveal boxes. Who's having a baby? No one. It's not a gender reveal, it's just a reveal. Of what? We won the tickets! We're going to a Super Bowl! Oh my god, how did that happen? That, of course, might as a clip from 84 Brady. You have Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Sally Field, Rita Moreno. They're all very excited and big fans of Tom Brady, a man who I felt or would hope would wish that he would break his leg on a weekly basis. Uh, <laughs> but still, the uh, 80 for Brady film is being released on physical media. A bunch of behind-the-scenes featurettes, interviews, extended deleted scenes. There is a play-by-play. Join the cast for a hilarious roundtable play-by-play with host Billy Porter. And it includes a Gonna Be You music video featuring Dolly Parton, Belinda Carlisle, Cindy Lauper, Gloria Stefan, and Debbie Harry singing a song written by Diane Warren. Sweet Christ! That is a murder's row of uh, 80s wonderfulness. Matt, also coming up is Champions, which is just in the theaters. The Bobby Farrelly film featuring Woody Harrelson, who uh, coaches up that basketball team mm-hmm. of uh, young kids. It's 12 deleted scenes, a feature commentary, and more. Um, oh, I'm, I'm missing our numbers. What the heck is wrong with me? So that was five. That was four. Gee whiz, Matt. Here's three. Get three coffins ready. Uh-huh. It is going to be Deep Impact is being released in 4K. The uh, classic, air quotes, Mimi letter film about, you know, asteroids going to hit the world and everybody's going to die, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. All right, great. Number two. Looks like we're shy of one horse. (laughs) You brought two too many. 
All right, Matt. Criteria. Nope, that's wrong. Disney 100. There's some weird Disney 100 series, and they're putting out these interesting 4K steel books available only at Best Buy uh, of the original Star Wars trilogy. Oh. So they kind of have this steel look to them, and they have a very kind of small photo in the middle. It's very kind of minimal. One, I think, is like R2-D2. One's Vader and uh, Yoda. The other one, I don't remember. But if you're a Steelbook guy, there is the special edition Disney Steelbook's going to be at Best Buy. And then finally, Criterion is putting out Wings of Desire. Vin Vendor's film is being released in 4K with a brand new 4K restoration, supervised and approved by the director. Audio commentary, a documentary, uh, deleted scenes and outtakes, and more. So if you're a Wings of Desire fan, the 4K version is coming out. Matt, and then also in 4K, Skyline, the uh, low-budget sci-fi film that actually had a pretty faithful audience. People seem to like it. They even made a uh, sequel. This is being released in 4K. I have not seen a single Skyline film at all. Have you? Oh, that's a good question. Maybe? I think it's like I'm th- having three of them? I think I might have seen the first one. All right. Well, whatever you say, Matt. I don't know. <laughs> Matt, I just realized I did not grab a straight-to-DVD pick of the week, so what should oh, we boy. be streaming while I s- scramble? All right. Well, available on Disney+. Plus are all of the Spider-Man films all in one place for the first time. So if you want to watch Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst and James Franco really, really struggle to emote and act in Sam Raimi's goofy but entertaining outing, that's there for you. If you want to watch uh, Andrew Garfield be way too cool and have a complete misunderstanding of what Spider-Man is in the Amazing Spider-Man series, you can watch those too. Or if you want to watch what I consider the best of the Spider-Man films, the Tom Holland three, hey, that's there too. So now you can sit down and watch a total of eight films back to back to back to back to back to back and really immerse yourself. Clarify, what is your issue about Garfield? I thought he did a fine job. Yeah, no, I think he did a a pretty good job too. Um, I think my, my issue with Garfield is that he plays Peter Parker too cool. Like he's not nerdy enough and awkward enough. He's just kind of like this moody loner kind of guy and that's doesn't fit for me and again it's just it's not i don't know it just has a much darker more serious feel you know and i would i don't want to say it's like the crow or anything like that but it doesn't have the same kind of goofiness that you kind of expect of of spider-man the lightheartedness i should say okay that's fine i guess yeah there's really oh boy I'm going faster, but I got nothing. Nothing really jumps out that fits the typical straight-to-DVD, just gonzo weirdness. So mm. we're just going to go, I guess, with a little film called The Ritual Killer. Detective, played by Cole Hauser, is on a worldwide hunt map for serial killer, Miller, and children, according to a tribal ritual known as Muti. The only person who can help him is Professor Mackles, played by Morgan Freeman, an anthropologist who hides a shocking secret. So Freeman, man. He's just kind of just taking work now at this point, right? I think I read mm-hmm. something, too, a little while ago where they asked him what he kind of does. And he goes, well, I just kind of i been playing myself for about 10, 15 years now. <laughs> so you know, if that's what the voice wants to do, that's what he wants to do, right? There you go. I know it was good to give one of the Hauser boys some love. All right. Let's go ahead and keep rolling, Matt, and spend a few minutes talking about the 
big Apple event, the Apple Plus TV event, Captain America himself, Chris Evans, the ballerina from the John Wick franchise, Ana de Armas, and more in Ghosted. Okay, now, come on, spill the beans. Well, her name is Sadie, mm-hmm. and she is... She's incredible. I mean, I know this sounds a little crazy, but... I think she might be the one. Oh, really? Well, that's fast. Well, I can't wait to meet her. Did you tell her you wrestled in high school? No. What is this? You took a selfie in bed while she was asleep. Dude, that's weird. That's what serial killers do before they kill their victims and harvest their eyelids. I was happy. I wanted to preserve the moment. Oh, my God. He is doing it again? Doing what? It's just cold. You can get a bit. Smothering, needy, pathetic, desperate, original. Yeah, stuff like this, the stupid gifts, the constant texting. I mean, that's why things never worked out with Fiona. Fiona was a bitch. You're a hopeless romantic, just like your mom. Tell her you wrestled in high school. Look, I'm not needy, and I'm not smothering. And for your information, I've sent Sadie one text today. One. Three. And some light emoji stuff, but that doesn't count. Emoji stuff counts. Matt, emoji stuff counts. It's a lesson you you took too long to learn, Chris. What are you talking about? When I was texting women, there were no emojis. You're talking like, (laughs) I had a pager. So, Matt, Ghosted is here. Okay, so Sadie, she's a uh, CIA agent, and she recently lost somebody close to her. uh, And she is trying to figure out what she's going to do with the rest of her life. She bumps into Chris Evans, who is a... What, a, a plant guy? And he's writing a book? He's a farmer. He's a farmer? Mm-hmm. A horticulturalist? Is a horticulturalist? What is that? Am I making that a up? A botanist? A botanist, that too? Maybe. I think he's a farmer. He's a farmer Fine. who's interested in history. That's right, because he works with his dad on the farm, which is one of the right. reasons why he hasn't explored the world, because he's scared to blah, 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 blah. And what happens, he gets mistaken for a CAA operative named the tax man, who is actually the Armis's character. And he follows her to London for some grand romantic gesture and gets sucked into all the adventure. And it's a romantic comedy spy thriller thing that you never knew you didn't need. I will say one thing, though. I love Amy Sedaris. And I was very happy to see her show up here as Chris Evans' mom. I do not believe for a heartbeat that any woman would be put off by Chris Evans sending too many emoji texts to them. I do not buy that. I don't think any men would be upset by that mm-hmm. either mm-hmm. so if i had to that's the one thing i had real trouble buying in this film i actually thought Anna equates herself well as the uh, action heroine i didn't really have so much of an issue with that and i'm looking forward to what she does in the uh, john wick universe but this film matt relies entirely too heavily on needle drops Mm. initially I was like, ooh, Traveling Woolberries. All right. I haven't heard that in a film, if ever. But then it keeps happening. And then I realized, I have not only seen this film before, probably two dozen times, but it is, A, seriously aping Martin Campbell-led action films, particularly his James Bond films. There's a lot of times it feels like a rom-com spy version of Casino Royale. Even the score is very reminiscent of stuff that David Arnold, who was kind of the primary James Bond scorer for years, would do. But the big issue is just as 
clingy as Chris Evans is in this film, this movie is desperate to be cool and liked. And I think it fails because of that. What are your thoughts on Ghosted? Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I wouldn't go the other way saying that I would think that no woman or man would be annoyed if Chris Evans was texting them a lot. I just really find it weird that someone who is so charming and looks so damn good all the time would be that inept and dating women. I mean, he's got to have dated a lot of women, you know, he wouldn't be that clueless. It's not like us. I mean, come on guys. I mean, it's, it's, it's Chris Evans, but I think even more than the needle drops for me, the thing that really sinks it. And I think you're a hundred percent right with this thing is trying to be so cool is just cameo after cameo after cameo. It's like, Oh, here's Anthony Mackie. Here's Ryan Reynolds. Here's, you know, insert other a list, you know, Hey, I was here available for a half hour. Let's stick me in kind of thing. I get it fine, but man, Apple take all that money you're paying for these cameos and, pay for some more script doctors punch these things up a little bit before you put them to to screen for real yeah I, it's uh, i don't know there's a bunch of weird stuff too or like where there's like snipers taking people off on the beach at one point but you couldn't snipe the guy going for the super mcguffin aztec device thing right right and there's lots of little like the lie detector scene oh dear god that's supposed to be played for a bunch of laughs and mm-hmm. romance and it just it's a dud entirely and the only thing, too, I may have appreciated about this, though, is Adrian Brody. I think he kind of fits that villain role mm-hmm. very well. I kind of, that's something that, as a basically a character actor at this point, that I think is a perfect fit for him. This slightly over-the-top, classy, yet sleazy kind of arch-villain. One thing, though, I did not appreciate at all was his boss, the guy who's the mastermind who's looking to buy the device, right, from, from uh, his character, is totally unbelievable in that role mm-hmm. you know he looks like he's a dad from a sitcom it's really there's an ounce of threat in this guy whatsoever and and it's just a it's a it's a, a mishmash of a bunch of different types of movies and other movies or video games there's a scene where chris evans's character is hanging off of the bus via the rail as it goes over a ravine that's like right out of uncharted mm-hmm. like directly ripped off of it you know, and I, I will say like the rotating tower is a nice set piece, but I know I've seen that before as well. Mm. And I feel like it's it's an action movie for Zoomers. It's, you know, for if you don't have a any, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but if you just don't have any literacy in kind of class, classic action films and you just go into this with, you know, you've been running with your, what are the kids use now? Not Pandora. What is the big... Uh, music system you have it spotify yeah sure the kids got spotify going though you think it would be apple music because of the tie-in but that's what it is but i think apple music is more for old folks like me Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so they got the spotify going you know oh cool it's ryan reynolds you know and i I swear to god they just used the tax man as an identity because they knew they could use the rights to the beatles song like that's how calculating and dull this movie is how just utterly predictable it is from start to finish so, uh, I mean, as a, it's cotton candy, there's nothing to it. I'm giving Ghosted a C minus. I think I'm being generous because it wasn't overly offensive to me. Yeah. And Evans and, and Armis are, are fine together on the screen. 
it just yeah i don't know c minus if i was in a worse mood i I could go lower but yeah i think c minus is correct i agree with you i can't really find anything much to recommend about this movie but giving it a d seems too harsh so i'm gonna stick around with a c minus as well it's so inoffensive it's so innocuous it's it's yeah well you want to kick the little guy while he's down (laughs) right well i mean chris Obviously watched this much further in the past than I did because he's already forgotten about it. I watched it this morning, so by tomorrow I will have forgotten most of the plot points. Yeah, there you go. If you've had a chance to see Ghosted, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Currently streaming on Apple+. Plus. They get some good shows. Mm, they do. Movies, not so much. No. But that's true of any of the streaming services. I think Amazon probably has the best movies. Yeah. Hmm. Let's think about Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Let us know what you think. All right, let's go ahead, Matt. Let's wrap up the big show and share our five favorite Sam Raimi movies. Movies, scenes. Scenes, scenes, scenes. Lady, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. Who the hell are you? Name's Ash. Housewares. I'll swallow your soul. Come get some. Come get some. I can't tell you how many times I used to quote Army of Darkness as a kid after that thing came out. So. I'm not surprised. Yeah, that was a big influence on me. Except for the <laughs> franchise so much, too. So, But there you go, Matt. Um, why don't you start everything off? What's your fifth favorite Sam Raimi scene? So, my number five is from a Sam Raimi Hummer film that is PG-13. It is a little unappreciated. Drag me to hell. Some people say it is a metaphor for um, an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. But... It's wrapping up, and I'm not going to give you too much as a spoiler, but everything seems to have worked out well, and then things go for a turn for the worse while they're waiting for the train, and I completely forgot Justin Long was in this movie. But uh, yeah, I don't want to say too much, but that final scene of Drag Me to Hell is a good bit of horror gump butchery. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually my number five as well. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's one of the better, well, better done wrap up scenes in a horror film where kind of you don't expect it so like a bit of a spoiler there but still it's uh i remember watching that movie in the theater being like holy crap so uh yeah so that's that is a good one that is my five as well and i don't want to say much more about it either so Mm. let's keep going all right so my number four is from spider-man 2 um the best of sam raimi's spider-man trilogy i think i'm gonna go with the fight on the elevated subway train with Dr. Octopus where, you know, Spider-Man is fighting Dr. Octopus on the top and on the side. And he's going in between all the people on the train. And then of course you get that meme worthy image of him stopping the train with the webbing while he grimaces and then gets carried out by the New Yorkers as a thank you for helping him because he's just a kid. There you go. Yeah. No, I don't remember that scene at all. My number four (laughs) then is, uh, Henrietta in the fruit cellar, all excited for a fresh soul. 
and uh, just creepy as all hell. And the line delivery on that, and of course, I don't have a clip for you because I wanted to be judicious about this. But uh, it stuck with me for a very long time. And uh, the face kind of transforms. I think it's a claymation. I don't know what they do. But it, yeah, and ashes just bolts out of the uh, cellar. But uh, it's still creepy as heck. But um, just so much fun all at the same time. So yeah, all the stuff of the Henrietta in the fruit cellar. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. I think uh, when she grab somebody and then ba- i forget who it was i drag him down into the cellar and there's like a beat and then the kool-aid blood starts shooting out everywhere it's all watery and super cheap looking and just yeah. ridiculous chef's kiss it's wonderful <laughs> <laughs> so my number three then is um a bit of physical acting from our ba- our pal bruce campbell um where he has to fight his own hand uh does a three stooges uh, vaudeville kind of thing where he is being dragged and punched and hit and then he cuts his own hand off and it starts coming after him still. It is a quintessential classic scene from uh, the evil dead films um, that I think uh, is one of the things that everybody thinks of when they think of those films. Absolutely. It's an honorable mention for me. It was my uh, number six. So uh, it is great, great stuff. So then my number three, Matt, I guess was your four, your Spider-Man two Doc Ock Mm -hmm. train scene, but particularly him stopping the train from flying off the tracks and then his mask comes off, basically, or at least just torn open, and all the New Yorkers kind of carry him through the cars, and nobody says a word, and everything. It's very somber and very, you know, still hopeful, and all at the same time. And it's possibly the the biggest statement piece or scene uh, in Sam Raimi's run to just identify Peter and Spider Man just as this human being trying to do what he can to help the little guy, and it is, it's great stuff. So that's my number three. Yeah, it's very messianic, too, as he's being mm. lifted Christ-like over the, the people that he's saved. All right, Chris, how'd you pull up a clip for me? Can you please play it for me? You, you got it. How's the pie? So good. <laughs> there you go. One of my all-time favorite scenes in any film. In Spider-Man 3, James Franco switches from being a wooden perpetually confused character to being absolutely batshit insane he knows that this film is no good and he's really just gonna ham it up while he's playing it there are so many things to choose from with franco in this film like when he wakes up from his coma very convenient and he sees like mj and he suddenly talks like he's in 12 years old like oh there she is like it's so weird the whole thing is just so weird but this scene where he gets done confronting peter he (laughs) orders a piece of pie he takes a big bite rolls his eyes in pleasure and just says it's so good and Immediately after, he turns over, it looks over his shoulder at Peter across the street, gives a huge wink, and then scene. It's fantastic. It is sublime in its ridiculousness. So good. It is. It is sublime. We actually had it as a drop for a very long time. We did. So uh, maybe it's time to bring that back. That is a good one. So then my number two then is Ash and his boomstick mm-hmm. from Army of Darkness. He's escaped the well where the demon was then he's able to kill him. He climbs back out and then he really gives those primitive screw heads a what for with his boomstick. And uh, just everything that is so wonderful and great about Ash distilled into that one scene, the the arrogance, the humor, the winking at us the whole time. 
and it is just an absolute blast so that you know this is my boomstick is that's my number two that's a great that's a great mention it's in my honorable mentions but i have to disagree with you as that is the summary of ash the real summary of ash is after he's lost his hand in Evil Dead 2, he heads out to the shed. There's a montage of him wiring things together, screwing things together, putting on a chainsaw as a glove, cutting off the edge of his boomstick, putting it on his back. For somehow he's got a, a hook to so he can still crank it. And then he drops the quintessential line of Bruce Campbell's career. Groovy. Yeah, there, there it is. Go. Groovy. Groovy is number one. That is the best scene. <laughs> you know what? You're entirely right about that. That should swap out my number two. Because it is... You're entirely right. Man, I'm an idiot. Okay. So then my number one then... I'm still going to stick with this. Because this is, for me, what really started my love for the Evil Dead franchise. Again, it's from the first film. And it really sets the pace and the tone for that film and the just insanity we're, we're about to experience. And it's, it's done so well. It's a seven. What suit? Um, diamonds. Uh, no, no, wait. Um, hearts. Oh, my God. Seven of hearts. You're right. <laughs> hey, Ash, I guessed the card right. Yeah, truly amazing, Linda. I don't know. I don't know. But I think it's really some sort of extra sense or something. You know, like ESP? Okay, try this. Okay, um... It's a seven. I don't believe it. Of spades. <laughs> Queen of spades. Four of hearts. Eight of spades. Two of spades. Jack of diamonds. Jack of clubs. Why have you disturbed our sleep? Awakened us from our ancient slumber. You are by. Like the others before you. One by one, we will take you. I'm telling you, don't check on her. Trust me, do not check on her. Mm -mm. But still, Matt, 12 year old, 13 year old me is watching this, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) So fun. So scary for me at, at the time, too. And uh, there also there was I was also going back and forth maybe doing the uh, we're gonna get you not another peep which yeah. I also did in uh, Fidi Alvarez's version as well. So um, but still, man, just setting you up just and Raimi's ready to knock each each one of those pins down right after that. So Cheryl's possession is my number one. It's a good one. You know I think when I saw my first Evil Dead film was Evil Dead Two. I was having a sleepover at my friend's house. It was eight or nine and like his older brother rented it. So I think I saw that film. And then when I went and watched the first one, I'm like, wow, this seems amazingly similar to the one that yeah. I already watched. I think is why I don't quite like it as much as I like the the first one. And two, one of the one. great things about that scene too is Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Truly amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, great delivery there. So any honorable mentions for you? Yeah, so in Multiverse of Madness, which is not a great film, um, I thought the kind of Scarlet Witch attack on the Illuminati, especially when she's chasing him through the tunnels as they try to escape, is actually really scary. It's probably the scariest thing in any of the Marvel movies. Mm. Very effective. Um, Gotta go with my boy Toby dancing in Spider-Man 3, a complete meme in and of itself. Um, There's the Upside Down Kiss, which is obviously an iconic uh, image. Um, Then... This is my boomstick, as I already mentioned. 
There you go, man. All right. So then stuff that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, we talked about that. Talked about that. You said the upside down kiss. Symbiote Peter walking, dancing down the street. That's a great one. The final out and for the love of the game, I think is good. There is another scene too in The Gift with Keanu Reeves where he plays the abusive, is he a boyfriend, husband? I can't remember if Katie Will Holmes' character. And it kind of snaps in that one scene. Really creepy Reeves. If you haven't really seen that before, you should check that out. Um, what else? The uh, lab explosion in Darkman when the little what is it turkey thing hits mm-hmm. the button and ignites the gas and yeah. and also too the pink elephant scene from Darkman is great too when yeah. he's at this carnival. That's another good one. Um, and then what else? Talk about that. Too. Oh, and one I'm surprised it wasn't on your list too. And I could could argue maybe one of the scariest things. Well, not in, it's not in that MCU, but it is in Spider Man too is the uh, Doc Ock awakening scene in the mm. hospital. Yeah, that's true, where he drags the, the the doctor or nurse, and she's, like, clawing, like, gouges yeah. into the thing. That is pretty... That is very Evil Dead-ish of, of uh, Sam there. Yeah, he absolutely shoots that scene like a horror film, mm. and it works with the tentacles, you know, uh, basically have a mind of their own to protect their host yeah. and attacking everybody so they can escape. Really well done stuff. So uh, that's it. So, uh, yeah... I guess shop smart, shop S smart, and uh, that'll be it. What's your favorite Sam Raimi scene? Love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, what is coming up on the big show next week? All right, so it's a bit up in the air right now, so we're going to attempt to do Bo is Afraid, but for me, as of Friday, Bo is Afraid is gone, so I have to go on a school night between really? now and Thursday which is what I was worried about, Chris, but it will be gone. So I will have to go to this four-hour movie on a school night to go Three. see this. Three? Okay. Or if that doesn't work out, um, or maybe even if it does, Sisu is coming out as well. The Norwegian, Swedish, uh, kill all Nazis uh, revenge flick uh, that we are really interested with catching up with. And then uh, I believe we're kicking off our first marathon of the year with Heist Films and Rafifi. Yep, yep, that's the case. So, man, you've got me nervous now. I really didn't think Bo would be pulled. Are you sure maybe they just haven't updated the times yet for the weekend? It is only uh, Monday. Maybe, um, but yeah. So if I tried to buy, I went and you know, looked to see when it was playing. It's basically got three show times a day uh, for now until Thursday. And then it's, there's nothing after nothing right now from that point forward. So, because like I'm looking at my local, because you have a 24, right? Your AMC is a 24. Mm -hmm. So my veterans 24 has Zisu, Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Um, And then was it Ponyan Selvin, Big George Foreman movie? Are you there? God, it's me, Margaret, Polite Society. That's it. One, two, three, four, five, six films in a 24 screen theater. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I think by Tuesday or Wednesday, it's going to show up probably tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll have to see what how it shakes. I don't know if you want to gamble and wait and see, and then if it doesn't work out, go see Zisu. Mm-hmm. I would. It'd be too bad, but I, maybe it's just that. Wow, you know what? I'm looking at Thursday here, and it's gone on Thursday. That's when the new ones come out. It's playing one screening at Brandon. Oh, brother! I guess maybe the problem is it's so damn long and mm-hmm. nobody's going. So yeah. they're like, "Why are we gonna?" give up the theater space for it yeah especially since it's in the imax for a lot some of it's showing like last week it was only in imax 
That is bizarre. I'm convinced it'll be in a, in one of the smaller theaters showing one or two shows. No, it is. Weekend. It is this week. But like I said, it looks like come Thursday, it's it's gone. All so. right. We'll see. We'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, in the meantime, check us out at the at thefirstrun.com. Do a search. No, you don't do the search. You can go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Do a search for The First Run. And scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you'll find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And I guess that's going to be that. Wow, who knows what's going to happen next week? It's so exciting. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. We uh, love you very much. And we will see you all soon. I hit the wrong button on my keyboard. That was fun. So anyway, all right. Love you. Take care. Hail to the king, baby.